So hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Shiny Side Up podcast, dedicated to improved production racing around Australia, and hosted by Mick Hazelton and myself, Chris White. This episode was recorded on the 30th of September 2019, and in this episode we interview Ashley Barnett from Western Australia. Ash is a great guy and you'll hear fascinating stories about his racing on dirt and tarmac, both in Western Australia and around the country. You'll hear about his cars, past and present, and uh, perhaps most interestingly, hear about uh, an exciting IP project he has on the go right now and that we will see on track very soon. So, strap in for episode three. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Shiny Side podcast with Mick Hazelton, myself, Chris Hello. White, and joining us tonight, Ash Barnett. Ash, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, Chris. Um, how are you going? How are you going, Mick? I'm great, thanks, mate. Great to have you on. Welcome as our first official guest. I'm looking forward to this one. Well, somewhat privileged to be the first official guest. I'm not sure if that's because you use me as a dummy or because you want to hear my input. <laughs> Let's say dummy, uh, uh, that's not a word you'll hear from us. Call <laughs> 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 Thanks, Ashley and Mick. And uh, also, before we get underway, um, I will just say a quick shout-out to the IP sponsors for New South Wales, and I'm also going to shout-out the uh, West Australia sponsors in honour of Ash tonight. So first, the New South Wales sponsors again, Yokohama, Vantage Automotive, Aussie Hire, Faber Competition Parts, Midas, Autocraze, and Bilstein Suspension. And thanks also to our West Australian sponsors, Healthway West Australia, JP Pallets, Racing Dynamics, Jazzmat Steel, P1 Advanced Racewear, Lux Performance, and BM Graphics. And um, I guess getting started and getting right into it, a uh, bit of news. Um, let's talk first, I guess, gentlemen, about uh, this weekend's IP results. Uh, Mick, I know you uh, were keeping an eye on things this weekend. Uh, perhaps firstly, yep. and, and maybe... Uh, well, not most interestingly, because I think both Queensland and Victoria had some interesting results this weekend that we can talk about. But um, would you run us through the results down in uh, in Phillip Island this weekend? Well, Phillip Island saw the usual suspects of the championship uh, greeted with the rocket ship and beautiful Bonaro of Adam Poole, and he showed them a clean set of tail lights the whole time by the look of it and showed them what the top-tier cars are doing at the moment around Phillip Island. Yes, it wasn't a lap record, and maybe there was speed to be seen if there was other fast V8s with him or other top-level cars, but it was great to see not only the locals still having their close racing and fight for the championship, good for me to see Pooley turn up and basically whopped them and did some amazing lap times and really showed how good that car is. It would have been really good if he had it up to this level back at the Nationals in 2016 when he first built the car. That would have been great to see. Mm. Just on Adam, uh, I think we saw that that car was legitimately top five in the nation at the Nationals in the bend. And I think Not the island... Top five, it was is... top three, right? It was it was the class of the field. And he yes, he had the most laps, I think, under his belt at the bend before the weekend, so he hit the ground running where uh, Cherry had to learn what to do around the bend, and Ray had to learn how to get uh, all that Falcon down on every corner, and then he did in the end. What a great event that was. I uh, I think um, Adam Poole was the, the underdog everyone was sort of barracking for. That I was. Quite new, quite new to IP. I was there as well. I was, I was going for him, quite new to IP, and put on a good show and taking it to the establishment, so it was good to watch. It was and great, wasn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. it was really and good. I was going, look, I was going for all three, to be honest. Like, I wanted Ray to put the car where it should be and to drive properly and to show everyone how fast this car is, again, even on a track he doesn't know, inside out. And he, to be fair to him, he didn't do all the preliminary mm. races leading up to it, so it wasn't... He had to learn. And, look, I know Matt can steer... I remember him from karting a long time ago. And, you know, we've all seen how loose that Monaro is around Bathurst comfortably by the look of it with him driving it. Don't know how everyone else would go driving that hard around the top of the mountain <laughs> in that car, but he does Certainly it good to watch. It's fantastic. So the three of the cars together at the bend and the dynamic between where they were fast and how they drove through the long final and the amount of laps and 
where they cooked the tyre, where they looked after the tyre, where they used their car's strength was amazing and a privilege to watch. It was great. It was definitely good. But on the weekend at Phillip Island, I think you're right, Mick, uh, Adam's appearance just demonstrated where that national pace is at and um, and perhaps, you know, uh, again, just demonstrate, boy, it would have been nice to see Milano turn up and, and, and have a dice with him and see how the two of them went against each other at, at that track. Um, but yep. as it was... Uh, kind of a race for second with uh, Nathan Robinson seemingly, uh, you know, finding a little bit more in that BMW, and I'm not sure whether he's put um, the new engine in it yet or not, but he was consistently, at least until that final race, it seems, um, he had the better of Luke, uh, if only by, you know, less than a second, but he was keeping it in front of Luke, which with the horsepower um, uh, deficit uh, is is quite an effort. Yeah, like Philip Island... You need chassis speed. We all know that. It's it's a mid-corner speed track, but horsepower also means a lot there, of course, with the big straights and the big pulls. But, you know, doing lap times is one thing at PI, but being able to stay in front, that's where, you know, Robinson's definitely, definitely found out what to do. And maybe it was a bit more horsepower this time than before, but he uh, definitely shown some great lap times, calling out a 143, that 0.8 or whatever it was. That was... That was very, very impressive. And showing that in, in race trim too. So, you know, again, suggesting that that car's uh, taken a bit of a step. But, um, and, and, and I think that might have been how we managed to keep in front of in front of Luke. Yes, yes. And Braun was in there too. We can't forget Robert. We all love the old yep. V30, the screamer on Webbers, you know, fast all the time as well. Well, well let's call it normal people fast. Let's be fair, like, yeah. doing doing low 44s and high 43s is pretty damn amazing at Phillip Island, and it takes a special car and a good team and lots of testing and a good driver to get under that. And some you can be, easily think that when they're, when Adam's pop and mid-141s during the race that anyone can go do it, but no, that's, that's bonkers fast. You know, I've, I'm happy in 45s. <laughs> <laughs> I get the 45s and I'm like, yes! <laughs> what a lap! One uh, item to note is that uh, our friend Ben Dinneville, we spoke about his uh, yes. new Blue Sierra uh, on the last show. Uh, he managed to get it down there and, and uh, I think he's um, still struggling to get that car to, to hook up, but seemingly has got at least the, the powertrain issues sorted. And uh, uh, from the video I've seen, it uh, seems to go pretty well in a straight line. It's just a, a question of sorting out the, the braking and handling. Yeah. Well, any new car is hard to get right, and I'm sure Ash can can put a lot more information into that when we talk to him more about his cars later. But Philip Island's also a little bit, let's say, intimidating. It's not scary. It's not out to get you. But you can easily, especially especially coming into Lukey, just be a little bit offline and then Lukey heights. And then you just can't rotate the car. You know, you're just stuck out and then you're in the marbles and then you've got nowhere to go. You're just off into the weeds. So there's lots of corners that one flows onto another in quick succession that can catch you out there. And unless you get your flow right and your rhythms and the sections right, you're not going to be confident enough to push hard. And I'm um, not sure if you were able to watch what was happening up at Morgan Park. It's probably the result, no particular surprise, uh, with uh, Zach Hudson running away with um, pole position and all four race wins. So you can find it on my laps if you want to see all the results. What were his times uh, uh, compared to the rest of the field? Was he was he well out in front of Clements? Or? Yeah, so Clements got within a second on his peak speed, but generally he had a good one and a half to two seconds on the field most laps and being a fast little kid in a very well prepared car which we spoke about last week and I'm going to assume well funded just by the look of it and how well it's going all the time as well I don't actually know that I'm just assuming and he's putting down you know a spread of about 0.5 second through a whole race and on any treaded tyre that's pretty impressive so even when it's getting loose and a bit gooey he's still making it up with the driving and and throwing down 121s constantly, which is damn fast for Morgan Park. Damn fast. Well, that that would have been lap record time, uh, lap after lap, before he himself reset the record 
um, a couple well, it was a couple of months ago, I think. He went, um, he did a, I think a low or mid twenty. So that's that's just phenomenal, isn't it? And and that consistency in a in a live axle car, obviously you can drive. That's that's pretty impressive. Oh, he can steer, he can steer. That's for sure. I think it was the second last race, and I'll throw down a comparison. So he's done. A 124.8 on his outlap, and then a 121.1, a 121.28, a 121.21, a 121.35, a 121.46, and then he cooled his jets on the last lap for a 122.2. That <laughs> is pretty good. Freaking fast as. And yeah. with the tyre deg that the LMV8s have, especially around Morgan Park, with the bumps and trying to put it down, um, that's just got me excited for, you know, whatever Nationals Queensland will be next year because let's hope he's going to be there. Sorry, lap four, he did a 128. I don't know if he was facing the wrong way or if there was a a yellow flag or or if he just had a lose. I don't know. But, hey, being a kid, maybe he just got a bit hot somewhere. Who knows? But every other lap was phenomenal, phenomenally tight spread. Consistently putting on a second and a half to two seconds a lap on the field every lap, you could probably afford a, a mistake here and there. But, but I'm guessing also you'd say that as he gets more more and more used to the car and his driving, you know, evolves with it, he's going to get even better. Yeah. So every lap, I just did a comparison against Jason, and you know, Jason's a good steerer and he's got a great car, and, and you know, he's been at the front a lot in QLD. First lap difference, 2.6 seconds, then 3.1, 2.6, and then he's had his off and he's actually 3.7 slower, and then 3.1 faster, 2.7 faster, and five seconds faster in the last lap. So, that's like, that's... Yes. Yeah, he's he's not just throwing down a lap or two, he's throwing them down all the time, which is very impressive. Yeah. Uh, I haven't yet found out from Zach whether he's going down to uh, Tasmania for the Nationals. I hope I hope he is. I really hope he is. That that would be one car I'd love to see go around that track in Tasmania. And you'd have to say that if he came to grips with the track, that he'd be right at the very front. Um, uh, with Ray, uh, possibly even challenging Ray, um, that's you know, a big, a big, um, uh, big expectations for him, but uh, he's he's shown the pace, and the car's obviously really good, really quick, has been reliable. Uh, so I hope he gets down there. That would be good to watch, wouldn't it? And it proves that a, a solid axle early model car built right and driven right can still be on the pace, and that's what's so good about IP. Yes, absolutely. Let's be honest about it. There's certain tracks that certain cars are going to be faster than others at. But on oh, yeah, for sure. general, you know, it's, it is good to see. It's very good to see. And I'd like to think that a well-built car, well-funded, well-driven, there's not many cars that would that are in IP currently that couldn't be up the front. Oh, most of the time it's about yeah, um, the build and the, and the budget and, and people training themselves to drive properly, and that's a big part of it as well. Yep. For sure. Um, Mick, we were talking uh, in our last episode about Carl Begg's Mercedes C63, and uh, I was doing a little bit more digging this week into that car, and I'm pretty certain that that car's still in proddy spec. Uh, it's It raced um, uh, uh, two or three weeks ago in um, uh, the production car series in Queensland uh, at the paperclip and was doing similar times, obviously, on hand-cook rubber, what yep. it was doing in IP spec, and when you're thinking about the fact that that car was running low 19s uh, in Prodi spec, uh, as against um, uh, the kid we we're just talking about, Zach Hudson, running sort of low 18s, so maybe one, one, one and a half seconds off the pace consistently. Um, yep. That's that tells you a little bit about the potential of that chassis uh, and uh, how. You know, I think again, it's just showing that maybe IP is starting to move towards a rule set that might favour those late model cars, especially with the new rules we were talking about um, with the over six litre. Yes, well, I'd like to know more. I, I, I don't understand the cars specs enough to to know what would have to change with IP, but essentially over six litre, from what I 
can recall from the rules is that it can run as priority spec and it has to run as priority spec just on our tyre in effect. Mm. So if an IP car, as an IP car, you should be able to lighten it more by stripping a little bit more out and mm. then have a little bit more freedoms with uh, geometry, with a little bit of radial movement of your pivot points. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you'd think that you would be able to get it if not faster peak speed, but at least some better geometry so it looks after the tyre better for a whole race. And, you know, maybe it is a future car because they're pretty popular now, those uh, 6.3 litre. I think that's what it is, isn't it? A 6.3 litre? They're 6.2, actually. Two, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 6.2 turbocharged? No, NA. Oh, and they're NA. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very impressive. It's on my my list of fantasy IP cars, to be honest with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> which, which we'll talk about. Uh, Ash, we're going to come to that. I think, um, you know, what I'm, what I'm interested in is not just how he measured up to Zach and, and Troy, who were quick in that round, the Shannon's Nationals round, uh, is what I'm talking about, but also to other drivers like Aaron Lawrence, where, you know, that, that car was less than a second off Aaron Lawrence's times around the same track. And, and again, maybe the track suited that kind of car, um, yeah. you know, big horsepower car, a bit more than the restricted turbo, but but um, that that to me is is that raised my eyebrows to see that, and uh, I I genuinely expected that car to have had a bit more work done to it, uh, and maybe a bit more weight taken out of it, as you say. I mean, I know the Prodies have to run more weight, yeah, but heavy. how did it go against the Prodies anyway. against the HSVs and the Lancers, the Evos? Consistently, consistently top five, but it seems. Again, if you check the results, he, he tends to like going to, to Queensland Raceway with it by the looks of it, and I think that that's probably a symptom of the car and its strengths. Yeah. The cars that are beating it seem to be the ones that you would expect. So, you know, again, the Sharons and the Lintons in there, in, in like the M4 BMW and that sort of thing, but it's it's yeah. right up there. It's it's very, very fast. Yes. And that was another thing, actually, that I was, that I was noticing when I was looking at the potty results is that... Some of those leading crotties were lapping on the hand cook, uh, faster even than Zach Hudson was. And I'm talking about the M4, I think, of the Sharons, which, um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, there, there were 17s, um, uh, in race trim for those cars. So, you know, that's pretty quick. Um, and again, whether, whether that's just, again, a symptom of, of the track, but the IP doesn't lend itself to competitive lap times in a race. Because of the different cars, mm. a lot of the speed isn't shown. So let's say Zach's peak speed, he was by himself. But if there was another car around, it would be very hard, unless it was another RX-7, for him to keep popping out those times because you get balked in other areas mm. and you can't do it. Uh, you can't get your time back, obviously. But in Prodi, there the parity balance to do the same lap times with the same power and grip in effect. So I find that Prodi can usually appear to be going faster and I've seen it in New South Wales where some of the HSVs have come and played in IPRA that are at the front mm. and, and they can't race with us because the IP mm. cars are fast in different areas and they go they qualify well but then they go backwards through the race. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I think that's the same with any category that has lots of different ways to get fast like IP compared to a formula-style category that's parity-checked. Mm. I think you find the guys in production put a lot more effort into going around corners and making the thing handle and not just horsepower. And, and unfortunately, when it comes time to race IP cars, they've got more horsepower. It's hard to pass them. And they're lighter, so they usually got yep. more power and lighter, but they don't control the tyre as well, like you said, Ash. Mm. And that's where they get the speed. They get the speed yeah. from keeping the tyre on the ground better. Yeah, you can't, point. You can't cool. keep the mid-corner speed behind an IP car and a proddy car. Indeed. All right, so uh, the only other state to have IP racing this weekend was the Northern Territory, um, and up there, uh, the little yellow 808, Tim Playford's, uh, 808 uh, ran away with it from Barry Smith's Commodore. Very small field up there. Jeff pulled fast slap even in the one or two laps he was doing. So in the... Oh, he bought the, the VE, v- didn't he? Is it the VE or the VF? I thought it was the black... Oh, I'm not sure what car. I thought he bought the, um, the VE that competed at the Nationals at Tail and Ben. Um, 
McLeod's. Oh, McLeod's one. Right. I'm pretty sure it's McLeod's car. I could be wrong, but um, okay. almost certain you bought that car. Yeah. That was quite brisk as well. It was. And with the long straight there at, uh, at um, Hidden Valley, should be, I think, when he comes to grips with it, he, I mean, he should have the better of the 808, you would have thought, if it's if he can get around corners. Yeah, it broke all the time, and then it didn't come back. So when I say broke, it didn't finish. I don't actually know what happened. Oh, right. But, yeah, it didn't finish. But he pulled fast slap in both heats one and two, but only did two or three laps in each. Well, that's good. It's good for the category. It's good for racing up north is what you want. It is. It is good. Um, and the only other item of news I wanted to talk about, uh, which is an interesting one, the um, emails went around uh, this week, at least from IPRA New South Wales, uh, uh, calling for nominations for the national administrator position for IPRA Australia. Any thoughts on that, gentlemen? Oh, I couldn't get mine in fast enough. <laughs> that, was, that was sarcastic. Just I okay. think it's a, yeah. <laughs> I think Gary's done a good job, and I think it's unfortunately it's a thankless role that you can't please everybody. But um, I hope we do get someone in there that does a good job and someone who's done a as good job as Gary. Um, yeah, I won't be putting my hand up for it, that's for sure, because I don't envy that position. But uh, I, I hope we do get someone that, that does fit the role perfectly and, and help move the category forward. Yeah. For sure. I, I checked with um, one or two people uh, who I thought might have had a line on what was going on there. One of them, who shall remain nameless, mentioned to me that he wouldn't wish the position on his worst enemy and wanted nothing to do with the role himself. Um, so uh, this is someone who's been involved in IPRA for decades, and that just shows you, unfortunately, I think that it's a tough job. And, and, and again, just um, testament to the fact that Gary has stuck it out for so long, and and and, um, and I think a lot of people have, have, have given him a hard time, but you can't win, can you? I don't think you can ever yeah, please yeah. everybody. You're always going to... Good time to publicly can... thank him, actually, to be honest with you. Thanks, Gary. It's, it's been great work. Appreciate it. And... Um, I speak with a few people that know that how hard that job would be. So, good on you. Well, I think if you don't know how hard it is, you don't understand it. For one, and that's one myself. Like I, I wouldn't know how hard it is. I can only imagine, and it must feel like you're trying to tame children sometimes with the different <laughs> attitudes and personalities that we all have in IP and drivers in general, and all the best interests that you think you can have you're still looking out for yourself, so it would be hard to decipher all that and actually push the category in a positive position that everyone thinks is the most fair. I, I don't know how that's possible, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it was impossible. Anyway, thanks, Gary, and uh, and good luck to whoever puts their hand up for that role. Uh, I guess there'll be um, a ballot circulated at some point. Uh, so nominations are open. So for those of you who are listening, I think they're open until... Um, Mid-November, I think. So there's a bit of time uh, for people to, I guess, turn their turn their mind to whether or not they'd, they'd be interested and, and give it some thought. And, and like you guys, I, I just hope that you know, the person who puts their hand up has got the best interest of the category in mind. And uh, because I think there's a lot of damage that could be done uh, if the wrong person ends up in the job. And and so yeah, just hope that uh, that that person uh, uh, goes into it with with clean hands and, and the right motives and, and 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 pushes the category forward. So good luck to whoever ends up in that role. And and uh, yeah, I guess we'll be seeing uh, nomination nominations come out in the ballot soon. All right, so. Um, Next up, we've, um, we're going to interview our guest, Ashley Barnett. So, Ashley, again, welcome and thank you for, uh, for joining us on the podcast. And, and actually, the first question that uh, Mick and I wanted to ask you, uh, and the question we're going to ask all our guests first, so if you're out there and you're on the guest list, uh, um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you'll... You, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, the question is around, um, I guess, a fantasy IP car that you'd love to see on track. If you, if you had all the time and all the money in the world to build a car, just even for shits and giggles, to, 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 to try something new, what would it be? And, and you might have given us a hint of at least one of your thoughts earlier, but um, very interested to hear what, you, uh, what your thoughts would be on this. I've got two, actually, and, and almost built one of them. Almost bought it, actually. It was, um, I've already mentioned, a C63 AMG. Um, there was one for sales, water damage, a few years ago before I started the Mustang. And I was humming and hurrying about buying that and, and perhaps building it for IP. And I think if you build one to IP specs, it would be ballistic and make it as light as you can because you keep it in the same engine. 
Um, same head, so you have no weight limit. You can make the thing as light as possible. Like you said, Mick, you can work suspension geometry and get it all right. And I've been lucky enough to drive a few AMG C63s and from just as a road car, they're amazing. So that would be good. Um, and the engines, we know they can go. Unfortunately, they're slightly over six litre at the moment, but you could perhaps de-stroke them. I know Betty Clemenko in the, in the, uh, Erebus team, when they're running them as a five litre, they went well. So you can imagine how well they go as a properly built six litre with a Hollinger behind them. It'd be amazing. Um, and the other car I almost built before I built Sylvia, and I probably should have built it. I probably still have it now was a, a VL walking shawl, but, oh, yeah. um, but with a proper Chev in it, not an LS. So I put a, uh, Why? stroke 350 Chev. Why, oh. why stay iron block? I just think that they're stronger and they're just different horsepower to an LS type horsepower. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but uh, what just, about all that, that weight you can get off the front tyres? Yeah, good point. Um, don't know. I just thought how good it would be to have a chef in it. <laughs> and, yeah. and the sound yeah, it would I'm make. Just, I just think so they're fragile. Got, we try and get too much LS. They just get a bit fragile. And, um, and well, My I, theory I think, would be to you don't need to as much horsepower with the weight advantage you get with the VL and with the live rear end and the terrible, let's say, relatively terrible chassis compared to a later model Commodore, would you want all that grunt? Would you want more than 500? I think people underestimate how good a Alice, uh, sorry, how good a live axle can be. Um, built right with Watts Link and cambered rear end, they, you know, they're well, good. The advantage of a live rear end is it never goes into the wrong position often. That's right. They can't yeah. move much. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, they still work well and, and, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I still believe early supercars with live axles still hold lap records compared to the transaxles now. Um, so they can work well if they're done right. Strut front end, I think you can make it work with a Chev. Obviously, it's heavy at the front, but have bucket loads of power. So anyway, that's what I would have. Um, if I was doing it, if I was building a car again now, I'd have uh, the VL walking sure and AU with a solid rear axle. Yeah, hmm. AU. Yeah, awesome. I think AU's going to be on everyone's. They're hardly would, fantasy would have, cars, though. <laughs> yeah. Fantasy would be the C63 done right. That would be amazing, but I don't have a big enough wallet. Yeah. I've got a bit of a twist question on this, Ashley. What mm-hmm. car would you build to have the most fun in IP, to race in the position in the field? That's a car that you would love. And, you know, because not everyone wants to be up in the pointy end or driving away from it. Some people want to fight for a 15th place. Yeah. No, good point. So I would have a, any car that is exciting and, and sort of wants to bite you and, and, and demands your attention is, is what I would want. So um, maybe like a 323 Mazda with a big BP turbo engine? Exactly, exactly. So anything <laughs> short wheelbase and light or a Fox Mustang, which is the same size as an E36 M3, yep. um, or very, very close. Something that's, that's exciting and, and wants to kill you every time you get it and it's, it's intimidating. I don't care what it is and whatever it is that excites that particular person, um, but something that demands your attention. And the way you're racing doesn't matter. If you can have fun in it and actually um, get a blast out of it, that's good. And I've had a lot of fun recently driving a little Honda Civic um, front-wheel drive car, um, just purely a new challenge. And, um, yeah, that's been exciting as well. So. Well, it felt like I just answered that question, not you, because everything you said is exactly what's in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but tell us more about this Civic. What what Civic you've been driving? Oh, it's just a is motor it IP one. car. No, it's not. It's built for a time attack or um, infinite time attack or or WA time attack we have over here. Um, a mate of mine called Ben Pang owns it. It's a, a Civic FD Type R, I believe, quite rare. Um, imported. It's got a K24 and a six-speed. PPG dog box. Um, nice. Still quite heavy. I think it's mid twelve, mid high twelve hundreds. Me in it, but um, we're lapping high twos, low threes around Wanneroo on old tyres. So I think we'll maybe we, just for reference for everyone, what what would you do in your say IP Sylvia around? Uh, the track's been resurfaced, and last time I raced Sylvia, running on forty eight. So things have changed a bit. Then. Oh right. What about the last AO fifty car you drove? Uh, yeah, the Commodore put it on pole with a 2.9. So about yeah, the right. same as the VN. Yeah. Yep. Um, the VN is quick now. Uh, yeah. I think the front runners are doing high ones, low twos. So we're close to the front running over, over two little cars. Um, 
yeah, it's just exciting. Front, well, I've never driven a front-wheel drive car before, so I'm sort of learning, but um, just exciting. Do you like Brake the lift-off? So deep. Do you like the lift-off <laughs> rotating of the car and then saving it with the throttle? Does that... Yeah, but that's like great. That but then you get the exit, and it's pushing like a train. That's <laughs> new to me. That's great. Turn it over, and you get on the power, and it's awesome mid-corner, all of a sudden it's ploughing, so you've got to try and... <laughs> Try and dial that out somehow, or maybe change my driving style a bit. But yeah, you that's can with the, with the right pedal. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it's me. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, well, not just you actually. I think it's you and the entire TCR field, with one or two exceptions, who yeah, okay. are struggling with you know coming to grips with front wheel drive cars, aren't they? I mean, it's it's interesting uh, now. I think you know there's more and more emphasis on front wheel drive in racing because it's more relevant. I think, um, especially now with the you know the Australian uh, cars not not being produced anymore yeah. and so much more uh, front wheel drive uh, and that's been the great thing to see about TCR but to watch um, all of these ex-supercar drivers jump in them and on cold tyres bin the car I mean it's mm. it, you know it's obviously you've got to completely rewire your brain yeah it's so different and I, I actually put my lap on my Facebook racing page on YouTube and I sent it to Jordan Cox for his input so he can give me some advice on my driving style but I haven't heard back yet so um, maybe you learnt some. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> He's probably watching it and laughing anyway. <laughs> so, Ashley, I guess we've talked a bit about then some cars you've driven and, and some cars you'd like to drive. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, yourself and, um, you know, who you are, where you're from and, and what you do outside of racing. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm 44 years old. I'm actually 45, 31st of October, so I'm an old boy. Um, yeah, just married to my, my lovely wife. I've been with her since she was... 14, I was 15, we kids. And, um, yeah, I'm just a normal bloke living in Motorvale in Perth, Western Australia. Uh, I've been in the lubricants industry for a long time, um, 20 years, in fact, and now working for Puma Energy. So I'm running their, their commercial lubricants division over here in Perth. So that's what I do for a job, and I have a lot of hobbies and stuff outside of my racing. I, I love live music, so I'm always going to gigs and stuff and watching bands and that, and... I play a bit of bass guitar, a bit of golf, although I'm crap at it. But it frustrates me more than excites me. <laughs> <laughs> I do a bit of um, race driver instruction over here on, on weekends and on evenings. Wander is really good. You can hire the track as a member for $100 an hour um, privately. Cool. Oh, wow. And they even turn the lights on for you till, till 9 or 10 o'clock at night. It's quite good. So you can privately hire that and do some instruction. And a lot of people don't know I'm actually um, – my younger years, I still do a bit now, ballroom dancer. That's uh, so how I met my wife. We used to do competition ballroom dancing back in the oh, 90s right. and did quite well at it. Danced the Australian titles in Melbourne and probably the best thing I ever did, to be honest with you. A lot of confidence and and so on. Never never forget it, but yeah, mates pull the piss out of me, but that's okay. I've got a, I've got a 1965 Mustang GT350 clone as well, which I had fun with on the weekends and built a... Solid roll of 302 for that. It's got 440 horsepower and five-speed manual. My mate Steve Thomas and Jeff Thomas helped me with, with that. Um, it's got a nine-inch and LSD and just a weekend cruiser. It's had a rotisserie restoration. That's my, that's my out on weekends. Very nice. And my best toy and the best thing I do is I've got a, a 1958 CJ750 sidecar. And, um, wow. Yeah, it's cool. I put my missus on the back and I put my dog in the sidecar. I've got a a brown Doberman, you know, Riley. And Riley, my wife Deb and I, we, we go riding on weekends for coffee and cruise and he's got his doggles on and his bandana and it's so I'm, cool. I'm just going to put this right now, Ash. We need a photo for of you in the sidecar with the dog and goggles and that yes. can be the the, the leading page. <laughs> just the, I've seen the photos actually because you were out last weekend, weren't you, Ashley? We were, yeah. We we'll go out most weekends, and we're going to go tonight as well. It's quite a warm night. May still do yet, but um, mate, it's the best thing. Hey, he just gets so many, so much attention. He's got his own Instagram page called Riley the Rider. It's Riley the Rider on Instagram, and on this is always gives me hassle because he's got more more friends than I've got on my racing page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a classic! It's a bit, that's me in a nutshell, I guess. I love motorsports. That's fine. I don't have any kids, so. I've got to do something with my life, eh? Yeah. Ah, that's why. Okay, that makes more sense now, actually. Yeah. Uh, which which brings me to your history in racing. So what got you into racing and how long have you been doing it for? Yeah, okay. Well, 
I don't know if radio-controlled cars is racing. Would you call that racing? Uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I started racing radio-controlled cars when I was a young bloke, electric ones, and then petrol ones, and building them and engineering, I guess, playing around. It was my dad who took me out with that. And, and I grew up a bit and got a, got a go-kart and just racing J's in the 90s. I was an Arrow AX6 when they first came out. I think it was in the mid-90s. Yep. Did that for a while, racing just state level stuff, and then um, I got into rally cars and I was racing state level rally championship dirt rally. In the old Datsun 1600, I think everyone that's done dirt rally has had a Datsun 1600. <laughs> L18 with twin 40, well, I think 40 mil webers actually. And it's just screen for the bush. It was really good, and then I enjoyed that, but I got back into circuit racing. I had a, um, a Mitsubishi Scorpion. Which oh, really awesome. What a nice, yeah. nice bit of kit, yeah. Well, it ended up, um, it's actually an IP car. I was going to build it for a category called streetcar. I took it to Steve Maitland over here, Maitland Fabrication, get a cage put in. He goes, why don't you race in pre-production? And I went, okay. So we built it to IP spec, and that car's still kicking around. I think Paul is Loomis it, has got it. Is it the one that was in New South Wales for a while, 10 years yeah. ago or so? Orange one? Yeah, orange, yeah, like a yep. deep... Deep orange, nearly red colour. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So it's Ford Blood Orange. So they yep. ended up in um, a few magazines. We restored it. Steve yep. Jeff, I restored it. It was impeccable. Um, yeah, it had, it had an Evo engine in it, 4G63 and Firespeed out of the sea. And that was my first run in IP. That was a good car. And I think Paul still got it to this day, actually. He has fun with it. He's done quite a few upgrades. Um, that was 2005, 2006, thereabouts. And... Um, and I started racing at the company, sorry, I started working for a company called United Oil and my boss Graham Palmer had a FDRX7 and we run that here in a category called Streetcars, which is yep. basically sports sedans on radials, uh, with some limits with weight versus rim size and so on. So that was 2008 and we actually won the state championship in that car. That was, um, Bridgeport 13B with a PPG 5 speed. Um, still quite basic. It had standard suspension arms and, and um, sway bars and so on, but just good category, super fast, 16 by 7 inch rims, so running on 225s, and Jesus bullet, and I could crest the hill at Wanneroo, and the shift lights are flashing fifth gear because it was spinning the tyres as you crest the hill. Which is <laughs> nice, very nice. <laughs> we did the whole season racing um, against Kerry Wade, Boy Stones, Mark Greenham, just name a few, Matt Cherry was even running back then in the other FD, and Whole season, we replaced every panel on the car by the roof because it was just, it was wild, mate. It was on, hey, so much fun. And we all had each other on the track, but off we went a beer. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's what yeah. it's all about, though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, mate. That was probably the hardest few years of racing I've ever done back then with those guys. Um, then I, 2009, I started building the 200SX or S14A for improved production. And that was the white one. Um, I think I was the first to build it and, we actually had to get it approved through... Um, oh, it was before, get, yeah, right, yeah, before the, on, the special list of Nissan's turned up. That's right. We actually had it all added, so it could be added to the CAMS schedule of, a, of a, um, approved cars. So that was all done with IP South Australia's help, which was really good. Um, yeah, so I ran that for a couple of years, and then I actually sold that, I think it was in 2012, 2013, thereabouts, and that... I can't remember the guy's name that bought it, but I think it went to Adelaide. I'm not sure where it is now. Definitely went to Adelaide. Yeah, and then 20, 2014, I, I ran Jason Wilson's JP Pallets Commodore. I think it was a VZ. I'm not, not 100% sure of the Commodore models. Um, yeah, uh, black JP Commodore, uh, JP Pallets Commodore. That was a good car. We won the state title in 2012. Nice. And finished set off in... Actually, we had a problem with the car in the last round, so we, we borrowed Sean Farrell's Monaro, which is um, now Ruben Romke's car. I don't know if you've seen that floating around. It was at the IP Nationals last year. Okay. It's now black. Yep. Um, yes, we won the state title then. That was 2012. And and you had a Turbo RX-7 for a while, didn't you? And that ended up in New South Wales eventually. Or were you just yeah, driving Yeah, it was, wasn't my car. It was my mate, Matt Newson's car. It was... Um, Gold, he was his own panel shop, so it was nicely restored. Um, it was Mark Greenham's streetcar, which converted back to improved production, and um, it was a turboed rotary, so it ran the restrictor. Yep. So I only did one meeting in that, and 
and uh, Matt's Matt's the guy that owns the sprint car now and the one I drive. So um, he said, yeah, I'll sell the Mazda. And I said, okay. So I sold the Mazda for him. He goes, oh, I'm going to buy a sprint car. I went, okay, cool. <laughs> goes, you want to drive? I went, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd say no to a sprint car? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's what we're doing now. But in between then, we ran the um, FDRX7 in, in a category called, called Super GT here, which was against 458 GT cars and a few Porsche GT3 cars, I'm not sure of the models, 996, 997s, and we, we had success there. Uh, won a few races and so on. That was cool. That was the same car we ran in street cars in 08, but we converted to GT, ran on slicks. They ended up with a 6B sequential Hollinger and 13B Bridgeport, 20-odd pounds of boost. It was quite fast. Doing 58s on the old tracks, about the same lap times as a V8 supercar. Wow. Wow. Done. And that was all done in a shed, like we do all ourselves, my mate, Steve, Jeff and Graham and I did it in our shed. shed. So you learn a lot when you do that, mate, it's the only way to do it. Um, yeah, and I, I also ran street cars in another friend of mine's got a RX-7 FD, that was in street cars. Identical looking car, but it wasn't the same car. Same thing, had a Hollinger in it and a lot of horsepower, like 500 odd at the tyre, so it was pretty crazy. Uh, on a radial, so that was hard to put to the ground. And then we had a bit of fun in the VN. Um, Steve and Jeff Thomas actually owned the car. That's law booked in my name, just to make it easy for entry. But um, that's the white VM. We ran at Phillip Island and at Bathurst. And we did one round here. Um, we built the car for 30 grand, um, doing it in our shed ourselves. Like we, The engine was just a second-hand block. We honed with a drill with a hone wire on it. It's like a second-hand pit, <laughs> eBay, for damage. And we just, yeah, we filed the pistons down. Jeff filed the pistons down, put them all in and... Played around with the head with the drill bit on the floor, watching him do it. And it was just literally slapped together. And it worked. Tick, worked well. Uh, 600. Yeah, it was good. We put it on pole on debut. It was pretty good. I was saw it? your Phillip Island Nationals in-car footage. And oh. apart from the gearbox, it looked like a well-balanced, power-to-stopping-to-cornering to car. Like, it looked fun to drive. Yeah, it was good. It was actually interesting. Um, we did the... We did very little testing and we did one race at one row, then we took it to, to Phillip Island. So it was pretty much untested and we had a lot of issues with um, one of one's gearbox. It just wouldn't change gears very well. And, and um, it just it was never meant to, the car was never meant to be outright or a front running IP car. It was built for a price, have fun with on weekends and I thought oh, we'll just take it to Phillip Island and have a play. Um, and we should have, probably should have got a better result than we did, but we had issues predominantly with Foam in the tank. I was going to say fuel, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Fuel had, yeah. One of the foam bricks was not actually 85 compliant and it was breaking up. And it, it would get through to the injectors. So after every heat, we worked out what it was. We'll pull the injectors out and we'll, we'll spraying carby clean through them one by one and, and tapping on a battery to, to pulse the injector to clean them out. And it would work for three or four laps and it would go bad again. So I was having to short shift and, and then trying to change gears also a problem and I, I couldn't get back to second so I was using third out of the hairpins and that and it was just anyway to, to drive up to Phillip Island was an experience and I think Repercharge we started 50th and we got to second I think third was it second, second. or third year yeah, yeah. somewhere around there then we yeah. we started the feature at the back again and we got to 21st or something then it started to die and I think ended up about 23rd 24th look was it was amazing we had a tough weekend and Long way to go from Perth over there. It's a big haul. And um, I'll never forget Jeff, who actually owns the car. Like he put a lot of effort to getting it there and made a shock and shock on Saturday and Sunday. And then I had to beg to get onto the grid of the repercharge. We weren't going to let us run because we hadn't finished the heat race. Right. And, um, yep. it, was, it was tough for everyone. When I come back in the pits, Jeff was in tears from just from my emotion. It was amazing. I'll never forget that. It's one of those things in life you never forget. And then, the, you know, the bad days make the good the good days even more rewarding and without them you don't have the, the highs of the good ones so yep. yeah never forget that and then we took that car to Bathurst and the gearbox was still shocking and the engine was a bit better but it was a hot day and we had core pack issues but um, I think we, we qualified the car ninth or something and did it okay I think we, we finished in the top 10 from memory and in, the, in the last race I think we did the second or third fastest lap so the thing was pretty good oh no we had issues in the first race that's right we had Car shut down, and anyway, just purely because there's a new car untested, we should have done some more testing before we take it, take it over east. Had to keep fighting back through the field, but it was good fun. Same as, 
same as Phillip Island, Bathurst, and if you get a chance to drive there, you've got to take it. Yep. So we did. And that car now has got a Samson Scott gearbox in it and fuel systems are sorted. Yeah. So when, when are we seeing it again? I wanted to enter it for the next round on the 20, 26th of this month. I think it is, a couple of weeks away. Um, may still happen yet. May still enter. But yeah, it's got a lot of work done to the front end. Some roll center issues were fixed and just fixed that and should have a bit more horsepower now and still the same motor, but just some manifold changes and stuff. New fuel system. And be able to put it to the ground when you want to with the gearbox now. That's good. Yeah. Have a, always have the right gear, which would be handy. <laughs> so I believe Jeff drove it yesterday around the block. I say around the block, not around the road. Actually, the block of his house has got five acres. So they were just driving around the yard and he said everything works good. So hopefully it's on the diner next week and we can make a decision whether we enter it or not in the last round. So I think it'll be quick, really quick. We both will we'll all look forward to that. Mm, should be good. Absolutely. I, I'm, I, I'd love to hear, Ash, uh, how um, that Samsonis box goes because um, I'm not sure I haven't heard any first-hand feedback about that, uh, the Samsonis H pattern dog box yet. Braun, I think Braun once runs yeah, one in BMW, doesn't he? Uh, that might be in a in a um, either a Getrag or a, or a, a ZF yeah, um, casing, isn't it? Uh, I, don't think the, the, I don't think it's the new, oh, the new okay. H pattern box with the drop gear no. and everything. This um, is nice. This so is a work of art. It's a billet housing and it's just a beautiful gearbox. Hopefully, right. Yeah, it looks it looks like it looks like a good thing. Yeah, and and I'm I mean obviously you know for those of us who are waiting to see what IP do with sequential boxes, I'm guessing I mean you know it seems like IP aren't going to go that way. So if that's the case, and those of us who were sitting on the fence with synchro boxes want to do something with a box, you know is it Hollinger or is it Samsonis? Yeah, but with the drop down gears that excites uh, rotary people like myself. And I'm sure the under-two-litre rear-wheel drive guys would be excited with a drop-down gear option as well. So we don't have to run such huge, you know, ratio rear ends with tiny little pinions that yeah, keep and the teeth off. Much cheaper as well than a Hollinger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half and and uh, all, all, this take, all this weighs into it. But, but at the same time, you know, like I've heard horror stories of, you know, like you've got the, the TTI and the HGT sequential boxes, which, you know, are supposed to be as good as a Hollinger, but a lot cheaper, and they're not, you know. But, I mean, uh, and there's nothing worse uh, than driving dog boxes don't want to go into gear. I mean, um, uh, it's, I guess, you know, if you're going to drop that much, I guess what I'm saying is even if you're going to drop less than a Hollinger, but still a lot of money into a dog box, um, you know, is it is it worth the money? Are they Are they all they're cracked up to be? And I guess... That's the feedback I'd love to hear um, with these new boxes because you know there aren't there aren't that many people around there who've had a crack at a driving one, and um, so I'd love to hear how that goes. But anyway, that's probably for the next segment. Yeah. So yeah. Um, speedway, Ash. So you you've been doing some left hand turns. Tell us about that. Yeah. Look, I've been really lucky through my whole racing career. I mean, people like Steve, Jeff, and Sean, and and all the Jason, and now Matt with the sprint car. All these people help me out and let me drive their vehicle, so I'm, you know, forever grateful for that. And, and the sprint car is no exception. Matt, Matt Newson from West Coast Smash had a, um, Series 1 RX7 improved production car. And like I said, we sold it and he goes, want to buy, we'll go buy a sprint car and go race. Went, yeah, okay, mate, no worries. And, um, wow, hey, how, how cool are they? But the the first time I drove one was actually in a race. I didn't do any practice. So first time I, (laughs) First time I drove, I was in amongst all these wings. I thought, oh, my God, what am I doing here? This is so foreign to me. And I didn't know what happened, so I put my foot in the accelerator and the thing turned left and I thought, oh, God, okay, it's different. So, yeah, so we had a bit of a drive of the sprint car the first season last year and we won a few heat races and I think we did a fast lap somewhere. And and we're going to go again this year, which starts on, I think it's the 12th of October, so the first round, Allenbrook. So that'll be good. That's well, phenomenal, Ash. So your first year out, First year out in wing sprints and you're winning races and setting fastest laps. I mean, people that doesn't happen. Well, that's why people keep sleeping in cars to drive. He obviously <laughs> knows how to steer them. <laughs> hey, the first time I drove up, put on the wall and also rolled it, so it wasn't all, all glistening. So <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the very first time I drove the car, it was I'd never forget. I, I love sprint cars, and as I think anyone that likes motorsport loves a sprint car, and always be a dream to, to have a driver one and. 
Yeah, I, I was shitting myself, mate, and and all oh, I remember really? started at the back of the field and there was like fifteen cars in there and I was, you know all these wings, all you can see is wings in the back there and everyone got on the gas and then I couldn't see because all the mud hits your visor. <laughs> I thought, what the hell's this? And I'm trying to get the tear off, so I don't know what's going on and things turn left and then you get off the uh, typical circuit race, you, you you get off the power and brake for the corner and that's so wrong. In a sprint car, that gets you in trouble because um, the thing just turns right as soon as you lift. Um, yeah, so it's, sounds like a Cordia Turbo. <laughs> <laughs> we talk to you, but yeah, no, they're very different. Fun. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when you when you're in a sprint car, and I've got to clarify, it's a limited sprint car. It's not a four ten or anything. So we, you know, we're Chevs with carbies on, but we're still six hundred odd horsepower and seven hundred odd kilos, so they're still fast. But they, the first time you get on a track in a car that's set up right, and you're in the window and you hold the thing wide open, you don't lift on a tight track. It it's an amazing feeling, hey. I don't think you can ever beat it. Yeah, you just trust the wing in the car and turn it in, and yeah, it sits on the left rear. Then, as it goes to the right rear, it just punches you out of the corner. You can't pull your head off the seat, and you don't dare lift for the next corner. You've wow. got to power. If you don't, if you lift and turn in, you're in the wall. You got to turn in on the power. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow, mate. Oh, oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Amazing. So yeah, well, people can do that, Ash. So. The reason why you keep getting these cars is because you obviously know how to do it. You should be pretty damn proud of yourself for being able to do it, especially without testing, and then to continue to do it. That's that's an awesome, awesome achievement, mate. Well done. Yeah, thanks. Man. I appreciate that. I think it's um, I think driving people's cars is, is, is meant you know a lot of factors. You got to respect the car. It doesn't matter what it is. Treat it like it's your own. Put some effort to help it setting up and looking after it and. And respect the car in driving it. And if you damage it, well, I mean, you can always pay for it, but it's not about the money sometimes. It's about trying to improve yourself and, and, and trying to learn. And, and the team and yourself are all part of the experience. So you've got to get involved in it. I think that's the key. And if you can go fast and not damage it all the time and, and be respectful, it'll, it'll happen. Good stuff. So. Ash, getting back to IP, uh, as interesting as that is, I, I also love Speedway, but the IP racing in West Australia. So um, how is it going out there? Um, how, what's your view on the quality of the cars, the drivers, and, and um, ha, ha, what's the state of the category in West Australia? Um, yeah, look, I, I didn't attend the last round, but I did the round before, and I'm pretty sure there were 17 to maybe 20 cars. It's quite a good turnout. The racing is really good now. We've got um, a few cars change hands, a few new owners. So the ex-Kevin led car now is with Mick Scorio. So Mick's now, I think he won the last round, to be honest with you. Um, so he's driving that thing well. He's on the pace. Um, Nick Middick's in a E36 M3. We assumed M3. that in the last episode, so it's good to know that that actually is the case. Oh, you assumed it had been bought. Well, Peter Major had it in between, as you know, and then um, uh, Mick Scorio now owns it. So, yeah, he's going quick. Um, Nick Middick's in an E36 M3. He's fast and... Now that car's just got a standard engine and just exhaust and intake and tune and E36 M3. Interesting, it just drives it well and goes around corners, so he's good to watch. Um, yeah, I think the racing generally is, is quite good now. Um, I haven't seen Matt out for a couple of rounds, Matt Cherry. I'm not sure when he's coming back out, hopefully the next one. Uh, we just need someone who can race with Matt. Unfortunately, when Matt comes out, he's, he's a bit too quick for everyone and sort of disappears into the distance, but... Um, hopefully there's some new new cars and drivers coming soon that can take it to him. So, Ash, is Caligari Western Australian or NT? I don't think we answered that last time, Chris. Yeah, so he's in WA, but I think he lives in 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 Port Hedland or Carrara. Yeah, right. He's up north anyway. Um, I think his dad's still down here, John Caligari Sr. Yep. So I think the car's still here, but, and John flies down and does a few of the bigger rounds. But when, when John and Cherry are running, that's... Caligari's That'll be good. a ding-dong. Good, good to watch, mate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, he's very impressive. I'd love to know more about that car and how it's going. And hopefully your VN can go um, as fast and be up there with him. And there'll be a three-way ding-dong. That'll be great to watch. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully we can um, get it up there, for sure. I can't see why not. On paper, it's all there. Oh, no, you're, I was going to say that recently um, Grant Gallon reset the under two-letter lap record here too. So he's... He's going pretty quick in his escort. I think doing 63s, I believe. I need to check that. But 
I think you set that record again which, last round. Yeah, which is pretty impressive, Mick. I mean, you know, given that they had the Nationals there only, what, two years ago, uh, and, you know, some pretty good IP cars there um, in, in under two litre and, and in a live axle rear end. And, yeah, I mean, you talked, you talked about it in the last episode about, you know, some of the difficulty of making a, an old live axle rear end under two litre car competitive against the likes of the Hondas. It can be done. Um, yes. At least it seems it can be. So. Yeah, well, the, the, the RX3 that won the Nationals, it's very rapid in a straight line, set up well, and it, it just seemed to pull up the hill. Um, on the back straight, I don't know what you call it, Ash, over there, but I just call it up the hill on the after yeah. the loop. You know, a cold, cold corner. It's just that's and it's a steep hill, and it's a hard corner to get right because you're trying to turn and drive up the hill. Cars don't like it. Yeah, but the RX3 definitely had a good advantage there, and I think that's where you know it it definitely kept in front of the Hondas. But overall lap time, it's hard to go past those Hondas for. Under two litre general speed, but it is great to see the old Esky. The old Esky. Yeah, going Which is, um, which I believe that car won the Nationals years ago. Oh, great. It's got history too. That's, yeah, that's yeah. Fantastic that it's still around. Being a, a car, a car owner with a lot of history myself, it is great to see old cars that are going fast. Can't wait till mine does again. <laughs> <laughs> Same, mate. All, got this, all three of us got our problem at the moment. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, the mixed problem is that his car goes fast. It just doesn't go fast for long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can laugh about it now. It happens so much. It's no longer depressing. <laughs> We've had a few new drivers actually recently. Um, we had Steve Turpin, who who bought um, Gavin Peacock's old VE, um, which was actually before that was a um, a Wayne Crystal car. So he's bought he's bought that running. I think he came third last round. So he's impressed me a lot lately. Um, Jake Pissaris in a, in a Civic, um, Adrian Shav, I can never pronounce his name. I apologise, Adrian. I'm going to call you Adrian Alphabet, but it's Adrian Shargavanel. I think he's a VF, which is a really nice build. And um, he's next port sedan. He had an old V8 supercar. He's come racing IP. Uh, Randall Beavis in a Mirage, which is the ex-Shane Litchfield car. He's now racing IP. And Kevin Simonson is back in the WRX, which is great to see Kevin out there doing some skids. Oh, good stuff. Cool. Sounds like WA's picking back up and on, on the upturn. I think you're right, mate. It is, because I think for the, the mining boom and all fell over here, it sort of hurt a bit, but looks like the guys are coming back out again. There's a couple What's of new What's the cars. best category? If they're going to find something fun to play in and different cars that they want to drive rather than having to pick a car that is the fastest for the category, then IP's where it's at. I agree. I agree. Well, it's, it's it's a category that lets you build a car and develop it over time, isn't it? That's the reason I, uh, you know, eventually Mick convinced me that this was the category I needed to build a car in because, you know, most other categories, you buy a car or you start building a car and, and, and it's obsolescent pretty quickly, you know. Time marches yep. on, but, you know, the, the nature of 3J rules sort of lets you keep up, even with a, uh, you know, a chassis that, that, that starts to age, and, and that's that's the beauty of it. And, and, and what's more, then it allows you to really invest in a car. You know, you fall in love with it. You can you can keep throwing money and time and effort at it and, um, and you know, make progress, and that's that's great. Uh, speaking of which, the Mustang, Ash. So uh, maybe for those um, listeners who don't know much about it, can you tell us about uh, sort of what um, what it is, what, what sort of convinced you to build a Fox Body Mustang and, and, and how that build's gone? Uh, over the past couple of years. Yeah, six years coming up, so I've been a bit slow. Um, yeah, look, I, I was racing the, the Silvia, the S14, and great car, right? And it's put a lot of effort into that. And as you know, with restricted cars, it's you know, always fighting fighting gear ratios and so on. Back then, we only had the one size restricted, 36mm. We raced a lot of V8s and that, so it was hard work. So I thought, um, I was actually the state delegate at the time, and I thought, well, um, try and get some restricted rules changes and based on weight versus restricted size and so on. But unfortunately, I couldn't get it through and that, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? And someone in that meeting said to me, build a car to suit the rules, don't change the rules to suit the car. So I thought, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Jeez, I've read but, that statement a lot. <laughs> so that's what I did. I sold the car. And look, if I had kept it now, you'd have a bigger restrictor and a bit different story. And being on AO50s would also be good. Back then we did 48s and that. And so I thought, okay, what am I going to build? So I looked at V8s and thought, what am I going to build? Something different. And the Fox body's Group A modicated and 
you have a good engine, good gearbox combo, live axle. It's got some shortcomings, don't get me wrong, particularly in the front end. And Aussie dollar was strong at the time, so I thought, hey, let's buy a Fox body. So I imported a Mustang from America, a uh, 91 model, um, and started building it in the cage went in, in in 2014. So I started building it late 2013, early 2014. So unfortunately, I've been a bit slow with it, but I'm trying to do it right and not take any shortcuts. And a lot of effort's gone into suspension geometry and roll centres and all that thing and trying to buy good components. And I'm just on a normal wage, so I save up to buy the good stuff once. Yep. Uh, yeah, so doing that. and uh, Yeah, so I'm getting there slowly. So, I still want to have it running this week, this year if I can. That would be the plan. I heard of this week then. That was nearly uh, yeah. sleep. It was actually. That ain't going to happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> No sheds kids this weekend. Power plant, I'm guessing, what, a, a small block Windsor or? I'm guessing the um, sport block, the boss block. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a um, Yates head Windsor. So basically the same as what Ray Hislop's got, the earlier heads. Okay. So that with a Hollinger and, and camp at nine inch. Oh, we'll expect the same lap time then. Great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's more to it than just horsepower, right? We all know that. We all know yeah. that. Just having, a, just having a little tease. Yeah, that's fair enough too. Hey, I fish for myself. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I make no, no secret. I, I want to win the nationals, and, and to do that, you need to beat the best. So that's that's Ray and, yep. and Adam Poole, whoever's running, Chris Brown and Zach, by the sounds of it, and Aaron Lawrence, whoever's racing. So it's you need to beat them all and. And everyone does a good job, so you can't you can't hold back in any area. So uh, I'm going to build it to the best. It could even be um, a New South Wales Evo if he turns up. You never know; he's flying. Exactly, mate. So it's always changing. You just never know. And um, with my, I'm building. I do what I can myself. And and Steve Thomas and Jeff Thomas helped me a lot. A lot of their brains in it as well. Uh, we, we build the engine in my shed uh, <laughs> or in Steve's shed. Uh, everything's done. We're in house where I can, except critical stuff you know so when we roll it out we'll be quite proud of it whether it wins or not we can say we built it ourselves awesome very awesome yeah well, just 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 so the listeners know i mean it, it is a beautiful build it looks great ashley and um uh you've got a facebook page where you are sort of um you know sort of giving updates as you as you make progress so that's is it uh, barnet motorsport ash yes barnet motorsport one word capital b capital m uh yeah you can you go on there and enjoy an app, I'll approve you. And I, I just give regular updates. I don't go into too much detail. Um, just try and keep it interesting. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't put everything up, obviously. You need to keep some things to yourself. But it, I certainly try and try and keep everyone updated with the progress. I'll put some pictures up today, actually, of the, of the brakes and, and suspension stuff we've been doing. Um, I've done you know, the airbox before and all the fuel system, information on the fuel system and the watts links and that sort of stuff. It's got blade bars going at the moment as well, just for blade bars. So it's got everything in it. Hopefully, cool. it's just in a, in a window; it all works, and that's the key. It's all about having the stuff, but if they don't work or they're not in the correct window, it's like yeah, they don't drive well. But I'm sure between us, we'll get it to work. Yeah, you need to have your platform stuff right, don't you? So once yeah, exactly your platform's right. right, then you can tune it. That's right. Yeah, that's the hardest thing getting right. And as you touched on it earlier, Chris, with Ben. Dinnerville Sierra, he obviously hasn't got the platform in a comfortable spot that he can drive it at the moment. And that's very mm. key with a new car to, to get in that window, as Ash says, so you can drive it well enough to then tune it in the right direction. Because if you can't yeah. push it right, you don't know what to do with it. you just got to sit back and work out what's wrong with it. That's right. We've, we've put a lot yeah. of effort to, to roll centres and um, getting all the the bumps you out of it and um, a lot of effort into to making go around corners and a lot of money invested in shocks and brakes and the areas that I don't think horsepower would be a problem. I think that's, you know, I don't think it's all horsepower anyway. I think it's got to make enough. Um, just got to make sure it goes in and out of corners and around them. Which we've, got yep. put a, we've all put a big yeah, effort into for it. For sure. Yeah. Very good. Look, I can't wait to see that car on track, Ash. It's going to be awesome, and um, I do hope that uh, that it's running this year, and um, uh, uh, maybe, you never know, maybe next year's Nationals, we'll see the, the little blue beast uh, circulating around. Where's, where's next year's Nationals? Is it Queensland? Is it Queensland? I'm planning Queensland, to go to that one. Queensland, but we don't know which track yet. Well, okay. the, the normal humans of IP don't know. If someone knows that <laughs> isn't broadcast... <laughs> 
And to be honest, they usually don't like talking about the next Nationals until the current ones have been done, which is fair because we yeah. want all the attention on the Tasmanian Baskerville, Baskerville, yeah. whatever it is. Nationals. Wait till that's done, then, then announce it. It's a good idea. Then that's when the, everyone will start talking about it and it'll be, become yeah. public. So, And I agree because we shouldn't, you know, downplay any Nationals that's current in excitement for the next one. We can all get excited for next one, especially those of us who've got new cars or cars that are you know, looking forward into the future and not currently. But really, we all want to know what's going to happen this year and we all want to see great racing down there and everyone focused on this year's Nationals. Yeah, that's that's absolutely that's thing. But I think Queensland would be a, a target for me for the debut of the car to Nationals for sure. That's, that'd be great. Or Isle of Magic or something like that. Um Steve was saying we might even put a carby and distribute it on it just to start it up to get some motivation going. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> and, whatever and works for you. Whatever works. Yeah, and you've got to you've got to get the Commodore out there and lay down some some pace lap time, so then you know what to chase as well. Yeah, so the, I think the Commodore will be out soon, regardless. Um, Jeff Jeff Thomas will probably run that car, probably in the time attack, and I'm trying to convince him to actually enter IP. I think next year, I think you'll run the car on IP anyway. So I think you'll see that car out regardless. Yeah, great. Very good. Well, look, Ash, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been great to talk. Look, Mick, thanks again, mate, for your time tonight. Uh, really appreciate it as always. Thanks again to uh, Ash Barnett as well. Really appreciated uh, you coming on the show, Ash, and it was great to hear uh, some of your stories and experiences with IP and in other categories as well. Uh, thanks to our listeners. Uh, and again, thanks to all the volunteers that keep IP uh, going around the country and to the racers out there who um, bring your cars uh, every meeting. And, um, uh, look, those of you who have cars in the shed, dust them off, get them out. It's a great category. Uh, you've just forgotten how good it is. So um, bring your car to the track, and we'd love to see you again. Uh, subscribe for future episodes um, on your favourite podcast app, and uh, we will see you in a week or two. Uh, hoping to interview Zach Hudson, uh, the gun from Queensland, in our next episode. So uh, stick That'd around and, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks again, Mick. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you all soon. Thank you. Bye.